Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. We would like to invite you to join us on April 4th for a very special Easter celebration. We will have a different meeting time as well as some special activities happening, so be sure to visit our website, newhope365.church, for all the details. And now, here is today's message. All right, so we're, we're on the topic uh, of identity in Christ. I'm dealing um, with the book of Ephesians and wrestling through it and, and, and breaking it down as best as I know how. And I talk about how that we as Christians, we need to understand who we are. Not just Christians, everybody needs to know who they are. But who do you think you are? Question I've asked. Who do you think you are? And where do you... Where do you even start to answer that question? But the, the bottom line is, if you're a Christian, you are an image bearer of God. You are an image bearer of God wherever it is that you go. And I have said, how is it that you are an image bearer of God? What are the ways that we image God? I said, our head, our heart, our hands. Our head, our heart, our hands. Real easy to remember. Our head and the fact that we see God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. We grow to understand scripture and, and use scripture. And, and, and then out of the emotions, the heart and so forth, we respond and we are, we are able to see things that are done rightly. We're able to rejoice when those rejoice. And when we see injustices, we're able to engage that and even, even potentially get angry because of the emotion in which we're going, that's wrong. Somebody has been violated and we emote that and we image Christ when we, when we, reveal that we have a heart and passion for people, and that goes to our hands in which when we're doing kind acts of uh, to people around the community, to your spouse, to your children, you're actually imaging God to culture. So Ephesians is this practical journey through who you are in Christ. Say, I'm in Christ. Yeah, I'm in Christ, in Christ. So either your identity is in Christ, meaning you're seeking Christ, pursuing Christ, or your identity is an idolatry. You're looking at anything other than Christ. And I know that's hard to even comprehend because you're going, wait, wow, that's a big statement. But it's true. What are you pursuing? Who are you pursuing? And your number one pursuit in this world, your number one pursuit in this world should be Jesus Christ. Pursuing him, period. And then let the rest fall in line. Okay? So, I've talked about how your identity as a Christian is one of sainthood. You're a saint. Say, I'm a saint. Maybe. I'm just messing. Okay. Saint, you're blessed in Christ. You're appreciated. Paul talks about this appreciation. You're saved. You don't have to fear salvation in this life or in the life to come. You're, last week I talked about you're reconciled, a big kingdom topic across across racial divides and all of that, and what the church should be, and those of us as Christians, how we should live our lives of reconciliation. And then today I thought I would deal with a wonderful topic that right in the middle of a pandemic you would just love to deal with, and that is, I'm afflicted. I'm afflicted. Affliction. The topic of affliction. Hey, I didn't write this stuff, meaning meaning I didn't write Ephesians chapter 3. Paul just happens to be the one speaking to the topic and what he's facing. And I don't know if you've ever suffered in your life. Have you ever faced pain and sorrow? But, but wait, you're not supposed to, right? Because you're a Christian. 
And for Christians, we don't face sorrow and pain, do we? Do you know there are people, there are people that think that. They think that, wow, I said the prayer, I gave my life to Jesus, and now the bank statements are going to look real good. And the, the, you know, we're not going to have burst pipes, busted pipes, when we have a, you know, snow situation in Texas. We're not going to have any loss of a power, electricity, right? Because we're Christians and we prayed. You know, that's, that's a tension that we have that we like, wow, will we suffer? Will we face pain? And I'll just say this. If you are in Christ, like Ephesians talks about, you will suffer like Christ and you will suffer for Christ. You just will. We worship a God who, comes, who came to earth, was afflicted, and throughout scripture and the history of the church, those who have served Jesus the most are those that have suffered the most. Those that have served Jesus the most are those that have suffered the most. And of course, among the most legendary is the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul. And so, before his new identity in Christ, what did Paul do? Paul went around and harassed Christians. He, he, we know in, in Acts that he uh, was going around and he was throwing Christians in prison and he was killing Christians. In fact, you, you know the story of, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, that there was a man named Stephen, one of the first deacons in the New Testament church. And what did Paul do? Paul stood watching as Stephen was stoned and he held the jackets and the coats of those that were stoning Stephen. And so he, he knew what it was like to cause affliction. But then what happens is that he then has an encounter with Jesus. And even as Paul was afflicting Christians, he has an encounter with the risen Savior. And he even though gets so afflicted that the writing of Ephesians was probably done in some form of a pit in prison where he was left wondering what's going to happen to me. And so he's writing these books and these letters while in prison, and Paul knew what it was like. He even knew what it was like to watch others he loved. And he had such clarity and credibility regarding suffering because he was battle-tested and tear-stained. This man, his words of perception in my mind... um, were life is life altering for life giving for those who were afflicted but oftentimes we're so consumed with us aren't we it's kind of what we do we're about me myself i my issues my stuff and um we fail to think deeply about what scripture has to say and and the bible has a lot to say about affliction and pain and sorrow And did you know that a third of the Psalms has to do with laments and groaning? A third of the Psalms. Did you know that the entire book of Lamentations is basically a journey of affliction? That's when you just get up in the morning and go, gosh, I'm just going to read Lamentations. (laughs) Right? And, and And then, did you know that every Old Testament prophetic book includes a lament on affliction except for Haggai. Without a full biblical understanding of affliction, what we do is we often wrongly diagnose our troubles, our struggles. In fact, I don't know if you've ever had somebody come to you and explain to you why you're going through your trouble, why you're going through your affliction. And you're like, I don't 
don't think that's right, but because maybe we have a carnal thinking as to why we're facing affliction or you know, somebody is trying to break it down and help you understand it. And they misdiagnose. Without biblical understanding, we misdiagnose why people go through affliction. And so, Scripture, the most legendary of all, you guys probably that faced affliction would be who in the Bible? Job, the book of, yeah, the book of Job. And, and, you know, here he is, a man righteous, upright, and his friends just determined that all the pain, all the sorrow, all the tragedy, everything that's going on is, Job, you must be a low-down scoundrel, and you got to repent. And Job's going, what are you talking about? I've done nothing wrong. And I'm, you know, this is like dumbfounding to me that I'd be going through this. And so they, they sit, and, they, and rather than comforting him, they rebuke him. How, do you, how would you like if you're going through sorrow and pain and, and all that? And people rebuke you and they go, let me tell you, you're just, it must be that you're sinning big time and you're just a loser. That's why. Affliction in the scripture, like our own affliction, it's not neat. It's not tidy. It's not systematic. It's, it's complex, isn't it? Let's be honest. Pain and sorrow to me is complex. And so, this is what I would, I'm going to ask some questions here, and this is now not rhetorical and online, you can respond to this as well. Here's some questions. What type of afflictions do we humans, and yes, Christians, face? What type of afflictions do we humans, and yes, Christians, face? Just go ahead and shoot it out. Anybody? Death of a loved one. Yep. Sickness. Ridicule. What's that? Divorce? Yeah. Pain? Sorrow? Affliction? Financial? <laughs> Loss of material things and storms. Yeah. And... Why? Not rhetorical. Why? Why do we face these things? Why do you think? Okay, maybe we lack, maybe because of our faith, or maybe we lack faith, or maybe because we have strong faith in God's testing us, right? Where, where we live. Fall, a fallen world, okay? Is that the only reason? Sometimes we don't know why. Yeah, it works, works it all for good in our affliction. And that's good. And that's a, and that's a credible statement. So I, I just jotted down some things just so you're aware. So, so just pr- process this. We face affliction because Adam and Eve sinned. Okay? We face affliction because... If you actually commit a crime, you're going to face what? Pain and sorrow because of justice, right? Uh, You're going to face affliction because of consequence. Have you ever done something really dumb? No, no. Thank you. Thank you, John. No, okay. How about about you, you face pain and sorrow and affliction by what? Demonic activity. 
See, it's not just Adam and Eve, though that's a beginning point. How about, how about your victim? Has anybody here ever been a victim? I'm not asking you to show hands. Victim. Angel, my wife, counsels regularly people that are victims, and they face pain, intense pain, and sorrow, affliction because of victimization. Sometimes collectively. Did you ever get with a buddy or a friend or a family, and you're all like doing something bad together? How about... God disciplines us at times, and you face pain and sorrow. How about persecution? Have you ever stood up for your faith, and somebody was against you because of your faith, and you face pain and sorrow? How about you face pain and sorrow so that you can testify of the goodness of God? you actually go through something to testify of the goodness of God. And you're like, gosh, I would rather not have to do that. Well, then start testifying now so you don't have to. Okay? Sometimes it's providential. It's divine providence. Sometimes it's preventative that literally you something happens to you and you're wondering, I can't believe that that happened to me only to understand that the thing that happened to you actually kept you from something else. See, pain, this is not a bullseye, is it? There's no bullseye in this situation. This is affliction that, that literally, I mean, and then, and then talk about mysterious. I mean, where you're going, I have no idea why that occurred. It's mysterious. And then, and then here's one that we've been dealing a lot of with the pandemic and, you know, stuff that's going on around the globe, apocalyptic. We know that there's a day coming when in the end, there will be a lot of pain and sorrow. And some debate whether we'll go through that. I'm not going to get into that right now. But there are a lot of different afflictions that we face and reasons why we face those different afflictions. So next time you're trying to encourage or or discourage a person, why don't you think about all of the potential afflictions and pray that God would help that person, whatever it may be, to get through that, ultimately for his glory. Ultimately for God's glory. So I wonder what God is teaching you right now. Is anybody going through affliction right now? I wonder what he's trying to teach you. In what ways have you wrongly understood your difficulties in the midst of your suffering? And I have come to the conclusion for years of pastoring and living life and going through struggles that and this is not easy. I'm just going to say to you right now, this is no easy, no easy answer. But I, I desire to exchange the why I'm going through the pain and sorrow for the who. I want to know, God, I all, I'm sitting here going, why, why, why? For years I've gone, why, why, why? And in, in what the Lord speaks to me constantly is he's going, it's not about the why so much. But we're human and we want to know why, right? It's about Engaging God and knowing that with him, you can make it through the sorrow and you can make it through the pain. And if there's anybody that ought to be individuals that that put aside the why for the who, it's Christians so that they can testify of the goodness of God and the world will see and desire that. I love what Romans 8.28 says, and this will be on the screen. All things work together for good to those who love God. Do you believe that? I love what 
Joseph said in Genesis 50, verse 20, when he was taken and wrongly sold off into slavery and he went through prison and he went through all kinds of uh, things that were done against him. And can you imagine all that Joseph faced in Scripture and he comes out to his brothers and says, the brothers that did evil against him, a, a nation that's done evil against him, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. What has God meant for good for you? What have you faced in your life that God has meant for good? That you've said, there's no good that could have come out of that. And So the Bible doesn't promise that we'll immediately see God work in all of our affliction and for his glory and our good, or even see it in this life. But those of us that are in Christ, as Ephesians says, it's guaranteed whether in this life or in the life to come, the promise of God through your life will come to pass. So in the midst of our pain, I've learned that it is much more important to seek God than to seek answers. But when you're suffering, what we need more than answers, even helpful biblical ones, is I want to know and that is God in an assurance that I am in him, that I'm in Christ. So okay, Psalm 119, 46 through 50, I love this scripture. I love what the psalmist is saying. He goes, I will speak to kings about your laws. I will not be ashamed. How I delight in your commands, how I love them. I honor and love your commands. I meditate on your decrees. Remember your promise to me. Remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. Your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. And what is this? I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But you don't understand, God, I've been real angry. But you don't understand, God, I've gone through so much. But you don't understand, God, I, 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 I am so depressed and so anxious and I've got all of this stuff going on. And, and he's going, I know and I knew that you'd go through that, but if you will trust me, if you'll understand your identity in me, my grace will be sufficient for you to go through what you're going through. So look at Ephesians. Go If you have your Bibles, look at Ephesians chapter 3, and this is where we get to our text, our main text today. Ephesians chapter 3. And we know that from some of the weeks that I've been teaching through Ephesians, that the New Testament, the early church, was in crisis, persecuted, had emperors that wanted to destroy the Christian community, other sects of, of, of Judaism that wanted to deal with the Christians in a harsh manner. And then Paul talked about the return of Jesus and everybody's going, Jesus, come quickly, return. People left their jobs and decided that they were going to just kind of wait on God and go, we're not going to go to work because Jesus is coming back tomorrow or the next day. To which some of us, we'd like, come Jesus right now. And Paul, if anybody must have thought, okay, I was preaching this message, Jesus, about your return, and it's not happening, and actually I've been shipwrecked, and I've been stoned, and I've, I'm, I'm facing all kinds of persecution, and I, I, I've been bit by snakes, and I've go, I, I, all this stuff, and, and I'm just wondering, God, if you're going to come through. And in Ephesians chapter 3, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you, 
Gentiles. For the benefit of you, I'm right now in prison. I'm facing prison. Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles, to which all of us Gentiles in the room would go, thank you, Jesus, that you raised up this man to extend grace to us in a message that we could understand. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. Verse 4, as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets, to which we are benefactors of that. And verse 6, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling us Gentiles, about the endless treasure available to them in who? In Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authority in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So, please don't lose heart because of my trials here. Do you know what Paul was facing? Judgment, death. Wait, wait. So, so I take Rick, throw him in prison, and the plan of execution is going to be in the next few days we don't know. And can you imagine Rick going, let me write a chill letter. Be encouraged! Get excited! It's going to be okay! But you're, you're a dead man. <laughs> what? What in the world? Who who sits innocently on death row and writes a letter to people going, there is hope, and in Christ there is peace, and you can have this good from God, and don't worry, it's all going to be okay. How do you do that? How? How can we, like Paul, suffer affliction without losing affection? Because the Christian, the church of Jesus Christ, the New Testament true church, if we face affliction, the Holy Spirit is going to use that affliction, if we will allow it, to what? Bring forth affection to the world so that they will know the hope of Jesus Christ. What's the secret to avoiding? Discouragement? Bitterness? Unbelief? Anger, indifference, rebellion. How, how do we, as victims of gossip, abuse, assault, trail, mockery, 
abandonment, theft, slander, adultery, not lose heart. How do you not lose heart? So, I've come to the conclusion that only by trying less to just dissect it and try to avoid all the sufferings and instead what God is wanting us to do is embrace him as opportunities in Christ to grow to glorify God and to share the gospel, not lose heart, and instead find joy in our circumstances, whatever they may be. And so I've, I jotted down four reasons that I think that we may face affliction in our life. And I'm going to give you these real quick. Four reasons that you may be afflicted, and I pray that they sink into your soul. And the first one is that you know that you may face pain and sorrow for God's glory. Afflicted for God's glory. What is it that Jesus went through? Jesus was wrongly tried, accused, sentenced, he went through, and I'm not going to go through what, you know, coming up in Easter, we talk about his death, his burial, his resurrection. But I, I think if you have been a Christian for any length of time, the sorrow we talk about, the lashes on his back, the plucking of the beard, the crown of thorns, the near dead man walking as he's placed this plank on his back to the point where he can't even carry it to Golgotha, and he passes it, they, they allow him to... to get there and they cast lots on his clothes and they drive through him railroad type nails and they hang him on a cross and then they pierce him through the side and he's God in the flesh. That is unbelievable. (sighs) Man, think about it. His death brought us life, but his affliction was for our salvation. But what was his primary purpose of his suffering? What do you think? It was to glorify God. His affliction was to glorify God. Now, you have not had your beard plucked nor have you had lashes, <laughs> nor, nor have you been taken to a cross and nailed to it, nor did you have a crown of thorns put on your head. or a, You didn't breathe your last on a cross, did you? But you will face pain and you will face, face sorrow. And here's the thing. If Jesus, if Jesus, who by his grace is sufficient for you and he gives you the Holy Spirit to work in you so that you can get through and face, he's, the Holy Spirit is called the what? Comforter. And he gives us his comforter. And what is he doing in and through our suffering? He's saying, I want to get the glory for what you're going through. I know it doesn't necessarily make sense. But if you're in Christ, you can endure endure affliction as he did to the glory of God. As Jesus did. Second thing, you'll be afflicted for others' good. Now, This is not a popular statement because we are a me-centric culture, aren't we? You're telling me I'm going to face something for that? You're telling me I'm going to go through pain 
for them. I, I mean, I don't even like the sacrifice for the person sitting at my table. I mean, if we're just speaking humanly. And afflicted for others' good, Paul faces persecution, and rather than asking why, he asked, who? Who am I? Who am I in Christ? And so in, what, what, in doing so, what would otherwise be misery became what? Instead of misery, it became ministry for Paul. He's ministering to those that are going through sorrow and suffering, and in many cases, going to face death by all kinds of ways. And Paul explained that his ministry was about what? Proclaiming a mystery. That the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the good news. Afflicted for others' good. I wonder what pain and sorrow you've gone through for others' good. Third, you're, you're afflicted for your growth. For your growth. Um, when you go through stuff and people say, well, maybe it's growing time for you. I don't know if you've ever had somebody say that to you. Hey, you're going through this and maybe you should just be growing. Yeah, grow yourself. Right? Grow yourself. Go, I mean, come on, seriously, you know, uh, whatever. But what happens is that when we're afflicted and we go through pain and, and sorrow for growth, well, there's things we learn. And the biggest thing that I've, one of the biggest things that I've learned through sorrow is humility. So if you sit here today online or in person and, and you struggle with pride, you ought to welcome affliction. Because it will absolutely take you to your knees and it will grow you and you'll realize that if it weren't for God's grace, you couldn't endure. When we love, when we learn also to love better and, and, and so I, through the sorrow and the struggles that I've faced, I've learned to appreciate you. I've learned to appreciate you. I've learned to, to value the fact that you come alongside and there's been times where meals have been brought to our home. Little notes of kindness have been given. M messages have been sent. And I'm going, oh man, that person has no idea how that carried me for a week. Or how that, that kind act did something in my soul. You see, we learn in our affliction, to love better and appreciate those who serve us. And then I have a last one is that we learn new ways to serve others. Why? Because when you face trouble and you look at others and you're going through stuff, all of a sudden you're going, well, when I, was, when I had gone through that miscarriage, when I, when I went through that jobless season, when I went through a downturn financially, when I faced and went through my divorce, when I, when I struggled with all of it, when, when my business was floundering, I needed something and I needed someone. And when you face those things, what happens is you go, I can empathize. And therefore, you can go and speak life into somebody going, I understand. In fact, you can know what to take them, how to encourage them. Why? Because you went through it. It's not wasted. You learn to serve others. And what I've learned is that it opens my heart, my eyes, and our finances. Because we meet the needs of others who are afflicted.
In fact, I'm so encouraged, Doug, and I know you're probably going to share this when you come back up here, but um, the generosity of New Hope is small as during the pandemic and, you know, people coming and all that. We had a missionary to Vietnam, Grant Wyatt, come a few weeks ago. And we have almost given him $2,500 from New Hope, from New Hope. Some of you were, have given big and some are, are able to, but you give what you, God places on your heart and that's for his glory. So you're, you're afflicted for your growth, but then afflicted for credibility. People don't necessarily want to hear this. You have this unique credibility to speak about difficult subjects because it helps in, in, in ways it helps in ways that people um, it can bring healing to others that are facing the same afflictions because you're like yeah I walked that road. It is incredible, and I'm not wishing this on anybody, but it is incredible to see somebody that has gone through the brokenness of sexual abuse, and they go through that, and obviously they need healing, and they need miraculous, they need counseling, they need people to love them through that, but who are those that are most apt to help them walk through that? Many times, it's the person that has gone through it. It's like Rick, you know, we talk about ministering to those that have um, are addicted to alcohol and at a season you went through some of that and you can go I know what that was like to cross those lines and drink excessively and how it could damage my soul and how you want to help others and so you what you're doing what you've got this credibility because you've walked some of the roads that others haven't and now you're able to walk with the person that needs you Okay, last question, maybe. How has suffering made you more like Jesus? I'm just curious. How has suffering made you more like Jesus? Online or in person, I'm going to pray over you. I'm opening it up. How has suffering made you more like Jesus? Death Death to your flesh. It's good. Yeah, man. That doesn't sound fun. Anybody else? Empathy, compassion. Who else? Mm, Yeah, more willing. Yeah, 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 that's good. More willing to serve God. It's for his glory, yeah, for purpose. Depth. Yeah, how has suffering made you more like Jesus? It can allow this deepness to occur in you that this depth of, of, of heart and passion and, and because you've walked those roads. That's good. Okay. How have others noticed the change in you? How have others noticed a change in you? Is there anybody that's actually noticed that you have actually faced sorrow and pain? What you got? I know online you're probably like, what's he doing? Just type it in. Okay? How have others noticed a change in you through your trials? Less judgmental. 
Boy, we could use more of that, huh? What else? They know from your testimony and they, by the words that you speak, the fact that what? Jesus has taken and, and brought you through those trials. Testimony, big. What else? Anybody? Who's willing to go out there? No? All right. Bow your head, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, today, we as the church, those that are gathered here in person and those online, those that will listen later online, we ask, O oh God, that we would grow to understand that our identity is one, whether we like it or not, of affliction. We will face pain and we will face sorrow. But your grace is sufficient. You work all things together for good. Would you today, O oh God, wake up your church to the reality that nothing, if we will allow your, your spirit to work in us, nothing will be wasted. Nothing from our broken past, our current brokenness, or whatever may occur in the future, that our hope is in you, Jesus, and literally, literally, you want to use, you take broken things and you piece it together and make beautiful things. And Lord Jesus, the beautiful things are the world is to see, and those beautiful things are those that call themselves Christians, flaws and all that they will understand that it is Christ in us. Christ, you in us. We are in you, Christ. And you're in us by your Spirit. Strengthen your church today, knowing, oh God, that we can't do this on our own. We need you. And Lord Jesus, if there's anybody in this room that needs a touch, in fact, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there's anybody that is facing internally some pain or sorrow that would like prayer. I want to pray for you. Yeah. Anybody else? Slip up your hand. Online, if that's you, you can even send me a note through jason at newhope365.org, and I'll make sure that I pray for you this week. Anybody else? You're facing pain, and you just need God to bring you through. Lord, those facing pain, strengthen them in their inner being. May they, God, experience your joy in the midst of their sorrow. They're your hope in the midst of their pain. Bring them through, O oh God, and to you be the glory. Thank you, Jesus. In your awesome and mighty and limitless name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you want to dive deeper, join Pastor Jason on Tuesday mornings at 1130 for the TruthCast on Instagram Live. And of course, you can access our sermons, devotional series, and podcasts, as well as music and lesson videos for children and families right from the New Hope 365 app available in any app store.